For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is good, Night Nation? On the heels of their third consecutive victory in a row, UCF getting set for a showdown this Saturday from the bounce house when 7th-ranked and undefeated Cincinnati comes to town for a key conference matchup. As what's good, Night Nation, Scott Adams here with you, along with former UCF standout defensive end and 10-year NFL veteran Leger Doosable. And Deuce, here we go. Big week from the bounce house. Knights get the victory over Temple a week ago. But this, another caliber of opponent that will be coming to East Orlando, and a lot is at stake this week. Yeah, I guarantee you, Scott, that a lot of these players probably circled this game when the schedule came out. They were probably thinking about it since last year when we went up to, to Nipper Stadium on that Friday night and took a close sale 27 to 24. So this is a game that this week, these coaches don't have to get these players up. They're going to be wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to go as soon as they come into the building to work. Coming up on this edition of Two Nights in One Podcast, we'll take a look back at last week's game at home. Military Appreciation Day, huge day for that UCF defense. The Knights were able to topple Temple. We'll get Leger's keys to this game here this week against Cincinnati. We'll take a deeper dive into the Bearcats and what makes them so special. They're 7-0 on the season. We'll hear from a former Cincinnati Bearcat, get his impressions on what's to come this weekend, and then we'll close things out for what it's going to take for UCF to get the W and knock off undefeated Cincinnati with Leger's keys to the game. But before we get to all of that, let's go ahead now and have our messages from this week's sponsor. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Two nights, one podcast. Leger Doosable, Scott Adams, and Doos. Before we get to Cincinnati, let's rewind. Let's jump back a week ago at home. Military Appreciation Day from Orlando. UCF improves to 5-2 and two on the season. And how about the start that this night football team had? They would jump out to a 21 to nothing lead before you could basically blink. And that UCF defense, again, coming up huge. They've been playing really good football the past three weeks of the season. Two turnovers right off the bat. And then that night offense able to convert those into touchdowns. 
Yes, Scott, we used to have an old saying when we were playing Madden or NCAA football on PlayStation and Xbox. And once you go down 21, it's time for you to pass the controllers. So that's what the UCF team did last week versus Temple. But let's talk about it. This defense, the first two drives, getting turnovers, and then the night offense going turning them turnovers into points. That's what we talked about, not selling for three. We had to go for it on fourth down, and McCray had a great run to, to get into the end zone right there. But you love it. Defense turning into points, right? We get the, the, the sack fumble from our linebacker right there in the middle. And then also Tatum Bethune on a screenplay. Two defend, uh, two offensive players trying to block him. He splits those offensive players, cuts in front of the, the pass uh, the pass to the receiver, uh, Jadon Blue, and takes the interception and almost took it to the house, but ended up fumbling himself, but the ball went out of bounds. UCF ended up scoring a few plays later there. So you have to love what you see from this defense. Eric Gilliard first on a sack fumble return doesn't go to the house but gets UCF in optimal position to score points over that and then Tatum Bethune right there he had already seen that play earlier in the drive where they split out Jerry Blue into that bunt set for the screen he, he splits the the two receivers gets a, a great great job gets his hands on the ball and gets the interception there and then the offense turns that into points UCF leading at the half 21 to 3 the night defense which is now number 1 in the nation in takeaways they've been riding at about number 2 for the majority of the season Knights would have three total turnovers on the day would get an interception first ever by freshman Corey Thornton and and you talked about Eric Gilliard how about the day that this guy had the strip sack which would set up the touchdown but 12 tackles on the day dues and a total of three tackles for a loss Eric Gilliard now here the past couple weeks you go back to the Houston game you now take a look at this Temple game and this night defense they have now started to rise they have really accepted the challenge from defensive coordinator Randy Shannon and those that young secondary the two corners really starting to mature before our eyes and it's not just them I mean it's been the whole the whole uh, caval there of of those cornerbacks Justin Hodges along with yep. Thornton and, and UCF now going into a matchup up here against Cincinnati. This is exactly what you want this defense to be doing. This is a shell of that night defense we saw maybe the first four weeks of the year. Yeah, it can't be understated how important Eric Gilliard is. I believe if he plays in that Memphis game, then UCF only has one loss this season because they really, you know, had some holes when we had some holes on defense when it came to run fits and they had some explosive runs. I feel like if Eric Gilliard is there, they don't have those holes because we fit the right fits and we get the, the ball carrier down. But you just talked about it. This secondary has played really well going back the last three weeks. And honestly, I know people have, have given this defense flack, but besides the Memphis game and besides the second half of the Tulsa game, I would say this defense has played on par with the offense, right? A lot of people talk, talk about it. I think Rod Carey even mentioned it last week that, you know, people talk about their offense, but their defense is really get, is what gets this team going, right? We saw that the first two drives, getting takeaways, and getting your offense in optimal position to score touchdowns, not just field goals right there. When you get the ball in the red zone already, then the percentages of you scoring a touchdown go way up. So when your defense is getting the takeaways that we have, and like you said, the number one defense in takeaways this year, and also we playing a, a team this week that we'll talk about later that, that, that does a really great job in taking the ball away, so something's going to have to give this Saturday. But when you have a defense that, that continuously takes the ball away, your percentage, when you win the turnover margin, your percentages of winning the game, they skyrocket. And you see a little bit of that from the UCF defense, especially these last three weeks. And it's got to be demoralizing for, for a team on the road. They come down, they were going up against 
you know, the top top offense in the nation in, in many regards. And that UCF offense getting a short porch, those those first three scores there of this football game, that's got to be demoralizing for for a defense as well as the offense, because it then gets you out of out of your game plan, does it not? Oh, 100 percent. And if you look at it from their defensive point of view, it's like, dang, our offense gave the ball away and we're already in the red zone. And we got to hold them to three. But your, your mentality, even when it happens, should be like, if there's a blade of grass there, we have to protect the end zone, right? But it sucks when you're on defense and you have to always be backed up, always backed up on your goal line and protecting your team from, from giving up another touchdown. And we saw that last week for Simple. It kind of demoralizes your team when in the first three drives, UCF scores three touchdowns. You know how, you know, demoralizing that is as, as a defender. It's like, dang, it's like we didn't really get a chance to play defense because they already got the ball on the 15-yard line. Then they get the ball on the 20-yard line. It's like, well, our back is already up against the wall, and that's the type of problem that UCF's defense, especially these last three, week, three weeks, has caused other teams and, and other opponents. Now, did that UCF offense generate the 700 yards? No, but they, they did have 400 yards, and when they were put in a position to score the football, they took advantage. We talk about those three scores. We also had a huge kickoff return, which we have not seen here this year in 2020. Ryan O'Keefe, he gets the football into Owl territory. UCF would eventually score there uh, on that possession that night offense was there some inconsistencies there in that second quarter yeah would dylan gabriel be the first to tell you yeah i missed on a couple guys but you hear from marlon williams after the football game and i thought he 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 put it pretty astutely he said guys we were up 21 to 3 we went into that that fourth quarter up by five touchdowns i thought we played pretty well yeah, exactly, and it's like most of the UCF fan base is spoiled because our offense is used to generating 600 yards of offense, 700 yards of offense. And you talked about it, offense, defense, special teams working together. Ryan O'Keefe, we see the maturation of this kid, and I couldn't be more excited for him to get these opportunities that he's getting, whether it's that receiver or kick return. This guy is an explosive runner of the football. Just get the ball in his hands, and he makes things happen. I think that's something that Cincinnati will look at too because if you go back to the Houston game, he had three explosive catches, right? And then you look at the kick return. So if he's back there because, you know, maybe Trey Nixon comes back this week, they're going to be like, well, we can't kick it to this guy because of what he's shown, the explosion that he's shown. And also Demarius Good actually getting a good block on that return. That's something that teams are going to look and see on paper and be like, well, we got to make sure we kick it out of bounds or we're going to pooch kick it because this guy has explosive speed and is very dangerous with the ball in his hands. We talk about Marlon Williams. I mentioned his comments after after the game. And, and dudes, there's been so many times this year where, and even going back to last year, he has put together highlight reel plays that if you're an NFL scout and you see what this kid does game in, game out, I, I mean, it, it, it is, it is mind-blowing if you're a Knight fan and the catch he made, but it was the yards after contact and being able to, to keep himself up after nearly falling down and and the athleticism that shows. And that's, he's a big dude, too. So for him beginning to fall down and then you see him galloping with his hand so he doesn't fall, he is second in the nation. We had that stat uh, on Saturday just behind Travis Etienne, who yeah. many believe is the best tailback <laughs> in all of college football. He's got the most amount of yards after, after contact in all of college football, this being Marlon Williams. Yes, I believe he's number two in receiving yards behind Elijah Moore, who went dumb on Saturday. I believe he had over 200 yards receiving for Ole Miss. But the thing about Marlon, I've been saying this all year long, he doesn't have the typical body type of a receiver. He has a running back 
body type, kind of like an Anquan Bolden, right, Scott? So this guy's contact balance is so crazy. We saw it on that play versus Temple, the 50-yard reception. This guy literally stumbled and got his balance for like 10 yards and then still had the speed to take it almost all the way the distance. And then, as you stated, on the sideline, even though they knocked him out of bounds, they still couldn't bring him to the ground. That shows the type of tenacity and grit that this guy plays with. And then, you know, NFL scouts always want to put people in body types. Well, if you're going to compare this guy, you got to compare him to a guy like Anquan Bolin, who was just, what, a pro bowler for multiple years in the NFL, who potentially could be in the Hall of Fame one day. So guys get too caught up on this guy doesn't fit the mold of a 6'3 guy that's, you know, 210 pounds. and can. But this guy has a 40-inch vertical. That's the thing about him. He can get up in the air. He's a physical guy. In the slot, he's a mismatch from hell. And this is a guy that you can put in multiple positions. You can play all three receiver positions. And you can even line him in the back, play some quarterback in high school. He can throw the ball. This guy can do it all for your team. Marlon Williams, 942 yards receiving the football uh, this year. That's through seven games, seven mind games. you. And he's crazy. got eight touchdowns. Dudes just mentioned, just mentioned Anquan Bolden. Quick side story. I got a hand on Anquan Bolden my senior year when he was playing for Pahokee. I believe he was a sophomore at the time and was an all-everything. He was playing quarterback there at the time, but somewhat of a claim to fame. I got a hand on him. I got a hand on you to bring him down. I didn't (laughs) got a hand on him. (laughs) But but I got a hand on him. So there's your Anquan Bolden story for today. Well, that leads us to what's to come this Saturday from the Bounce House, and it should be a fun one. Another nationally televised game 330 on abc we have had i believe five of them now four or five nationally televised games in that 330 slot here in in 2020 but this a big one for for so many reasons dudes before we get to the bearcats what this could potentially mean a victory here for ucf is are the knights still behind the eight ball in terms of what they can control yeah but if you get a victory here and that's a Cincinnati loss. And then Cincinnati, they've got two additional road games after this one with UCF. If Cincinnati eventually loses, perhaps to to Tulsa to finish the season, well, UCF's going to have the tiebreaker having two losses, both teams having two losses. So this is a, a very important game for so many reasons. But from a UCF standpoint here, dudes, this week, you, you have the loss a season ago, 27-24, wasn't one of Dylan Gabriel's better football games that at the time a freshman man he'd already played what three or four games uh, uh of his career and so for a lot of ways this UCF team is I think frothing from the mouth coming into Saturday to, to take on Cincinnati I would say that's a very accurate assumption right because this is a, a team we felt like we had on the ropes and, and we made some mistakes and I'm not saying that they didn't beat us but I feel like a lot of times we beat ourselves in that game and me and you were there calling that game from the sideline, we were in the red zone, we turned the ball over, that's something that you can't do, especially versus a team like Cincinnati. So this is a chance, and we remember what happened two years ago when they came to the bounce house, nationally televised game, game they was there, the bounce house was rocking it. It won't be like that, but I guarantee there will be a lot of energy from maybe our 11,000 fans that are, are permitted to be in the stadium. And this, and I think Dylan Gabriel and the big Ed Collins said it perfectly throughout the week. Like we can't worry about, you know, the, what, we, what, what we've done in the past, we can only control what we can control, right? And right now Cincinnati's in front of us, and whatever happens at the end of the season happens. And you talked about it. There's still a chance that we could potentially still play for a conference championship, but you got to take care of business Saturday first, right? And I think it's really great that your quarterback and then your left tackle comes out and says that we can't really worry about, you know, if this happens, that happens, and this happens. 
No, we have to take care of our business Saturday. We know what's in front of us. Nobody's really giving us a chance. And it feels good to, for once, be the underdog and not the hunted. And we're going to go out there as long as we prepare, like we prepare every week. We have a good chance to go out there and, and do what we need to do. And then if the chips, you know, fall where they may fall and we have an opportunity to, to play an extended season, then that's going to happen. But, you know, first and foremost, the most important thing is, is taking care of business Saturday for Cincinnati. Luke Fickle, Cincinnati Bearcats, now 7-0 and on the season, ranked 7th in the country, back-to-back 11-win seasons for them coming into this year. They were the East champs a, a season ago. Right now, dudes, they're 5-0 and in, in league play, and those seven games, six of which have come from Nippert Stadium. Nippert Think about Stadium. this. Yeah. They have had just one road game this entire year, and by the way, it was almost a month ago. Now, it was a very good victory against SMU, but this is a team that has not gone on to the road. Yeah, and I believe what the last three will be on the road for them because of the, the COVID protocol. So there's still a lot of football to be played. And we, me and you have talked about this for the last two or three weeks, that there's still a chance that we could get into the conference championship. But, you know, none of that matters right now. Handling your business for Cincinnati matters right now. But there's a lot of football to be played in this American conference. And some of your goals are still attainable, but you have to start by taking care of business on Saturday, and Cincinnati is a great opponent. Well, Temple will be the opponent next week for Cincinnati, and then it is on the road to Tulsa. But a week ago, they would get a 55-17 victory over ECU at home, and Desmond Ritter, now the junior quarterback, we talk about the 2018 game, he looked above above water his head above uh, barely yeah. above water 2018 from the bounce house he's matured quite a bit as as a quarterback here for Cincinnati and he's a guy that I think has has become a smarter quarterback in terms of of throwing the football down the field we always knew what he could do with his feet he has obviously shown that again this year, second on the team in rushing. But Desmond Ritter as a quarterback here in his junior season is what to you, Deuce? He's an explosive runner with the, the ball in his hand, right? We talked about his legs, and everybody knows about his legs. But I feel like this year he's really taking it to another notch. And he has deceptive speed because you see it a lot of times. They'll put spies in, and you even saw it versus ECU last, last week. There was a safety that was a spy. And then he kind of got out leveraged and Desmond Ritter took off on him. And this is a safety now. This is a quarterback that has elusive speed and, 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 and really can get away from you if you're not careful. If you're not, you know, careful in your rush lanes, D-line is going to be really important this week that we maintain integrity in our rush lanes. We can't let him step up into the pocket or run outside because he's done both. He does, you know, the guy that's just looking to run outside. He will step up into the pocket and take off on you. And he did it a lot of times last week versus ECU, especially on third and long. He struggled throwing the ball over 10 yards. So anything that's third and 10 and plus, he's only completing about 34% of those passes. But anything underneath, Cincinnati, what they want to do, they want to get in third and five, third or third and six, because he is very efficient when they do that, completing like 66% of his passes, anything under 10 yards. So this guy is very elusive with the ball in his hand. He's become a bit more accurate this year, but he has struggled with the long ball. So UCF has to get this guy in, in third and 10. And, and the people say, uh, you know, make this guy play quarterback. And you know, it's kind of weird hearing people say that because he is a quarterback. But what we're saying is make him beat you with his arm. Don't allow him to beat you with his legs. Season high a week ago there against ECU, 653 total yards, 350 through the air, 300 on the ground. And Cincinnati extends their school record home winning streak 
to 19 games. But now, dudes, let's get to what really has been the talk of 2020 for Cincinnati Bearcat football. And Luke Fickle, he's a defensive guy. It is yeah. that that Cincinnati defense. This is one of the best units in the nation. They have allowed just 12 and a half points per game. And when you want to talk about leadership experience, Cincinnati maybe has both of those more so than any team in all of college football. They've got eight seniors alone starters on defense on defense alone. And they continue to play at a really high level. Yeah, and I believe they have, I want to say, 15 or 16, 16 in the two deep, right? So they're a veteran heavy set team. Luke Fickle has done a great job of getting a lot of transfers to come over there the last two years and stick around and also develop guys that he's recruited, you know, as freshmen and sophomore. So this is a team that Marcus Freeman, their defensive coordinator, has playing at a very high level. And they have NFL talent literally at all three phases, D-line, linebacker, and secondary. A lot of these guys will be getting their name called this year in, in the NFL, well, next year in the NFL draft. And, and especially if you look at, look at some of their D-line guys, Majay uh, Sanders, this guy here is very long, six foot five, 260 pounds, and he creates havoc, Scott. And then you go to the linebacking position, Jarrell White, this guy is their sniper position. He kind of reminds you of maybe like Isaiah Simmons last year from, from Clemson and also has some Jamal Adams in him too. And then in the secondary, they got stars all over the place with, Kobe uh, Bryant at one corner and Ahmad Garner at the other corner. And then Wiggins, that safety is a guy they missed all last year due to getting hurt two days before the season start. They get him back, and he's playing at a high level. So this team has so many guys, and even some of their guys we talked about last year, Michael Pitts. He doesn't even start anymore. This guy led the team in sacks last year. So it shows you the type of depth they have on his defense. Yeah, James Wiggins, who Dudes just mentioned, the senior safety for Miami South Dade, missed all of last year with that torn ACL. He was an all-conference performer two years ago for the Cincinnati Bearcats. It should be noted, it looks, it appears, if if the game were to be played today, which at the time of us taping this here on a Wednesday, all-conference performer Elijah Ponder there, on that defensive line for Luke Fickle. He left the game against ECU in the first quarter with a knee injury. They've been very mum this past week in regards to to his availability, but that could be a huge benefit for this UCF offense if if he's not in the game, Deuce. Yeah, 100%. He does a lot of the dirty work, right, Scott? So he doesn't get a lot of the name recognition Jay Sanders or or, or Jarrell White does because – this guy is one of the lunch pail guy, right? He's a phone booth guy. He wants to get there, get aggressive, get down and dirty in the line of scrimmage. And once he left the game, ECU actually started having some success running the ball. I believe that might have been one of the first ball carries they gave up that had over 100 yards rushing last week versus ECU. And a lot of that happened when Ponder went out the game. So that would be a big blow to them. But, you know, adversely, that would help the UCF offense and the UCF rushing attack. Still to come here on our two nights and one podcast, we'll get Deuce's do's and don'ts for a night victory, his keys. We'll also get Deuce speak, where Deuce tells us something a coach has said to him at certain at some point during his, his football career, be it the NFL or at the college level. But now we're delighted to be able to get a glimpse from the opposition, that being the Cincinnati Bearcats. Former NFLer, and he spent two years with the Bearcats back in the early uh, 2010s, that being Kembrell Tompkins, former Patriot, Jet, and Raider, and he's a Sunshine State product too, Miami Northwestern. So 
Ken Brown, I know we're excited for this Saturday. Give us an idea as a former Bearcat how jazzed up you are, not just for the season here, 7-0, and but for this matchup this Saturday against UCF. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good challenge for us. Uh, I think UCF is a good team. They've been good over the past couple of years. Uh, I think it's been a good opponent, a good test for, uh, for Cincinnati. I think gonna be a uh, with, with us playing on the road and everything like that. I think gonna, that gonna be our biggest challenge. I think uh, gonna be a good test for our defense and everything like that. I think our defense is gonna have to play big. I think our defense got a good challenge at the uh, at the cornerback position this week. I think UCF got some pretty good wide receivers over there. So I think gonna be a real good game for us. I think I think it's gonna be one of our biggest tests of the season right now. Yeah, speaking of that, your defense is one of the top defenses in the nation, Kimbrell. And he talked about the receivers, right? We have Marlon Williams, Daylon uh, Robinson, two of the yeah. top receivers in the uh, in college football. But you guys also have some really good corners over there, and Brian and Ahmad Garner. Tell yeah. me what what do you expect to see from them corners one on one matchup with with these receivers that UCF has? I think I, I think I think gonna be a good challenge for them. I think uh, I think Kobe Bryant. I think he's playing a lot of he's playing good football for our team right now. I think the interception that he had. In the last couple games was actually coming up in clutch moments. So I think he's going to have to play tough. I think he's going to be matched up against the Williams guy. You know what I'm saying? I think Ooh. the Williams guy, he's playing pretty good football as well right now. And I think uh, Amal Gardner, too. I think I like his lip. I think he's tall. I think yeah. we're going to have to get hands on the, uh, on UCF wide receivers. We can get our hands on him. I think we'll, we'll play pretty well. Hey, Kembra, as well as this defense has played over the past several weeks, this Cincinnati offense has has taken their game to another level. They've been averaging nearly 38 points per game over their last four. What has really impressed you about Desmond Ritter, the quarterback for the Bearcats? UCF has seen him now for, for three consecutive seasons, but it really seems now he has matured and, and he is a quarterback that is playing with a lot of confidence. Yeah, I think he, I think he, I think he got a pretty good understanding of the game plan. I think, uh, you know, he's pretty polished now. I think he knows exactly what the coaches want from him. I think he's, I think he plays good football. I think he's not, he's not favoring anybody. I think he's uh, with throwing the ball. I think he's giving the ball to the open wide receiver. You know, he's doing, he's doing well with running the ball as well. I think he's playing a lot of good football. I think he's playing real balance right now, and I think he's a pretty good part of why. Our season is going the way that it's going right now. Yeah, speaking of Desmond Ritter, uh, KT, he's one of the most explosive runners with the football, not even throwing the ball. He's averaging over eight yards a carry from the quarterback position. But since Alec Pierce's main receiver went down, Michael Young has really stepped up for the offense. What have you seen from from the junior receiver, the, the Notre Dame transfer, Michael Young, that, that gives you promise for this offense? Yeah, I think he's playing pretty well. I think he's playing pretty well. Like I said, I think our offense is pretty balanced right now. I don't think uh, Ritter is favoring any wide receiver right now. Uh, I don't think we have a wide receiver over 500 yards right now. I think everybody is, everybody is pretty balanced right now at the tight end position and the wide receiver position. I think our running back going to have to play a big game, this, uh, big game this week against UCF. I think he's very important in the offense right now, but I think uh, the guy from uh, the transfer from Notre Dame, I think he's actually a key, key to the offense right now.
Former Cincinnati Bearcat wide receiver Kenbrell, uh, Kenbrell Tompkins join us here on two nights and one podcast. And and so take us back now here, KT. Obviously, the, the amount of success that Luke Fickle has had here over the past four seasons with Bearcat football. And this 7-0 start, this is rivaling that 2009 team that went undefeated in the regular season and then ultimately played in a Sugar Bowl. And that's... That's kind of how you, they got on your radar when Absolutely. you were being a recruit. Absolutely. I think uh, I think when to take care of everything. You know, I think when to take care of everything with, uh, with the position that Cincinnati's in right now. I think that with back in 2009 when they did go undefeated, I think that would really draw me into them. I actually watched that Sugar Bowl game, and I actually uh, was excited to see Cincinnati in that game and to know that the type of offense that they was – they was running at the time, and that would really draw me into them. But I think right now, with the 7-0 start right now, I think we're playing really good football, and I think winning take care of everything. I think winning is going to put us in a position that we want to be in. As long as we just keep winning, I think everything everything else is going to take care of itself. And see, you kind of talked about, you know, Cincinnati winning in 2009 and them ultimately getting on your radar when they went to that Sugar Bowl, but you also have some other ties, right? Antonio Brown, a close friend of yours, went to Central Michigan, and the coach was leaving from there and going to Cincinnati and you as a receiver, knowing that Antonio Brown was there in a familiarity of, you know, somebody from where you're from going to Central Michigan and being with that coach. How did that play into you going to Cincinnati? Yeah, uh, actually, I was telling, I, I was telling, uh, I was telling Tony at the time, I was just telling him what I was going through at the time. I was transferred from the University of Tennessee and he was telling me like, man, my coach, actually, uh, you know, he going to the, uh, he going to the University of Cincinnati right now. And at that time, like I said, Cincinnati was just coming off a, a Sugar Bowl bid. So it was like, uh, it was a good team. A new coach was going over there that was uh, that was on a rise that actually rose the Central Michigan program to another level. And uh, I remember Antonio going back to uh, to school to compete in the pro day. He was he told me that he was going to sit down with the coach and, you know, have a conversation with him. And he, he spoke to him on, uh, on my behalf. And he was telling me that he think that, you know, Cincinnati would be a good fit for me. He think that, uh, you know, just with uh, him having communication with the coach and uh, other insides with the program and some of the other friends that the coaches had, it would be a good fit for me. And uh, I took a visit I took a visit there. You know, we spoke football. We spoke, we spoke on family. We spoke on Antonio. We spoke on me and everything like that. And I just felt like it was a good fit for me. Hey, hey, KT, before we, we ask you maybe some keys for Cincinnati, what you think they'll need to do this weekend, just their second road test here of the year. Give us a, a bit of an idea, because I've gotten to know Leger Duzable here over the past several years. He, an undrafted free agent that, that played a decade in the NFL. You were undrafted. You go to the Patriots. And just being able to get on an, an NFL roster, being able to play in the National Football League for, for multiple years, and the drive that you had to have despite not getting drafted, what's what, what do you tell players now that maybe come to you for advice uh, at the conclusion of, of what, you know, a lot of people would say is a very good college football season or seasons that you had at the college level? Yeah, I think first and foremost is, uh, you know, pretty much, you know, putting God first, first, first and foremost. I think uh, it's not about, you know, what gets you there. It's what gets you there is not going to keep you there. I think it's about uh, having an understanding of what you what you what you really want, what you want to do. And uh, knowing that you are where you are for a reason. You're not there by mistake. You're there because, you know, you worked hard, you worked your tail off and you're there because that's what 
you know, your dreams and everything that you pray for, you know, landed you. And I think that a lot of players need to understand that just from my perspective, you know, being an undrafted guy and knowing that I can do whatever that I wanted to do, you know, through prayer, through hard work and, you know, my dreams and my beliefs and my faith and my aspiration, everything that I wanted to do for myself. So I don't think that what gets you there is going to keep you there. So I think that when you get there, it's actually a whole new beginning and everything that you want to do. So I think when you get there, it's actually a, the highest level of football. So I think it's time to set new goals, to uh, to revisit your goals, to set new goals and to keep your goals in front of you. Because I think that when you get there, a lot of guys got a tendency of, you know, forgetting of, Forgetting, you know, everything that they that that, that they wanted to do and uh, the things that they said they wanted to do to get them there. So I think that's really what it is. Just keeping your goals in front of you and making sure that, you know, you stand committed on the things that you said that you would do. Yeah, and KT, you're a testament to that because even though you were undrafted, you end up starting your rookie year in New England. Uh, I remember we played y'all when I was with the Jets in, in two, 2013, and then they were, you know, how we do it on um, on two uh, Wednesday when we come in. They talk about, you know, the weapons on offense and the weapons on defense. And right. they were like this undrafted guy, you know, he's, he's come in. And he's he's took a lot of players' position. He's the starting guy. And we were like, really, undrafted guy? And yeah. Speaking from, you know, my experience being an undrafted guy, I love when I see other undrafted guys, you know, beat the odds and, and, and are able to become starters and, and may stay in the league. So, yeah, I mean, kudos to you. And then also, side note, you actually, you know, were at Cincinnati, but there was also another – big player that you played alongside with at Cincinnati, Travis Kelsey. Tell me how that was playing alongside Travis Kelsey while you were at Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. See, Travis is – you got to get to know Travis. Travis is, first and foremost, a tremendous guy. Like, he's a guy who's – like, you cannot not like him. Like, he's <laughs> that type of guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think my first year at Cincinnati when I got there, he ended up – Sitting out, sitting out that year as well. I came from uh, University of Tennessee. I was considered as a transfer, so they made me. Uh, I could, I had to sit out that year. Yeah, the rule, cause the rules back then. Yeah, 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 yeah you couldn't. There wasn't a portal. Everything like that, so I had yeah. to sit out that year. So the year that I set out, Travis Kelsey set out that same year. We was okay. only allowed to practice, so me and Travis was on the same pretty much thing that like we were doing. Yeah, you was on the same thing, so all we doing was practice. So me and him became actually a. Uh, you know, close friends. We spent a lot of time together and everything like that. But to see his involvement and to see his transition in the NFL right now and to see that what he's doing right now is like a, a tremendous story for me because I get to see, I, I, I got to see it firsthand. I got to see him in college. I got to see him go through adversity. I got to see him overcome adversity. And I remember our rookie year going into the NFL and then he ended up he ended up calling me during the season. And I would ask him like what was going on. And he was telling me he, uh, he needed surgery. He was going to miss his whole rookie year. And I was just like, yo, wow, you know, you know what I'm saying? Keep your head, make sure that you stay positive and everything like that. And to see him transition and just have success over the, the last couple of years he's been in the league, man, just a tremendous story for me. Yeah, the Kelsey brothers as a whole, fairly talented, two, uh, two brothers that have, have gone to UC and then on to great things in the National Football League. All right, Cambrell, so Saturday looming, a year ago UCF losing. They're out on the road up at Nippert Stadium, 27-24. to 24. However, yes. the last time the Bearcats made their way down to Orlando, nationally televised, it was under the lights, college game day in Orlando. It was quite the scene. We're only going to have 25% capacity here on Saturday. Still, it should be a very good uh, a college football atmosphere, at least here in COVID 2020. 
a couple keys to what you believe that the Bearcats need to do to remain perfect on the season and get the dub. Yeah, I think we going. Uh, I think our running game going to have to play a big part of it. I think that. Uh, I think that the dokes. I think that dokes going to have to carry a big load. I think we playing on the road. I think that uh, our quarterback is playing real good football. I think that we got. I think it all depends on our game plan. I'm pretty sure we have a good game plan going into this week, but I know that we plan against a pretty good team. So I think dokes going to be a, a, a real good key factor. I think we need a big game from him. I think our wide receivers going to need to be balanced, and I think we just going to need to be consistent on offense. I think our defense is going to have to play well. Uh, like I said, we got good opponents at the wide receiver position over there at UCF. You know I'm a wide receiver guy, so I pay attention to the wide receiver <laughs> pretty well. And I think that uh, Kobe Bryant and Amar Gardner is going to be a good challenge for them. I think if we, if we do everything on defense and get our hands on, our, on those wide receivers over there, I think we'll, we'll come out with a victory. Well, those are the comments from former Cincinnati receiver for the Bearcats, Kembrell Tompkins, as a former teammate of our very own Leger Doosable back during their days with the J-E-T Jets, Jets, Jets. Mm-hmm. So, all right, dudes, let's go ahead now and get to some keys for this week for UCF to stay here in the thick of the race in the conference and make it four victories in a row. And we'll start maybe with that that UCF defense. They've played so well the past three games, Tulane, Houston, and then last week against the Temple Owls. What do you want to be able to see from this unit against this Cincinnati offense to really kind of derail how well the, the Bearcats have played the past couple weeks offensively? Yeah, Scott, the two major keys are, are, one, you have to eliminate the run game. If you look at Cincinnati, the offense goes how this run game goes. If you look at Derek Dokes, he's averaging over five yards a carry, and he's a very physical running back. This guy gets downhill. And also, the backup to him, Jerome Ford, a lot of people aren't talking about this guy, the Alabama transfer. This guy's averaging almost seven yards a carry. Scott, he has explosive speed. If he gets to the outside, he's gone to the house. And then you have to also throw in the quarterback, right, Desmond Ritter, he's I believe second in the nation and in yards per carry at averaging almost nine yards a carry. So these three alone, we have to stop this run game, eliminate this run game, because the run game goes how Cincinnati offense goes. Second key is you have to make Desmond Ritter beat you with his arm. You can't allow him to beat you with your, his legs. We talked about this earlier in the show. ECU last week, and if you go back to week before that in Houston, this guy has great escapability. You, get, you have to get him in third and long and make him beat you with his arm. Make him complete tough passes. Because in third and long, if that first read there isn't there and that second read isn't there, this guy is taking off. And if you lose leverage on him, you'll be giving up an explosive run. So make Desmond Ritter beat you with his arm. Don't allow him to beat you with his legs. Desmond Ritter now on the season, over 500 yards rushing in dues. I think that tackling is going to be imperative this 100%. week because of just how threatening those three backs or two backs and, and Desmond <laughs> Ritter. Quarterback are back too. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. I think it's going to be a, a combination of UCF tackling in space well and being able that that first impact being able to make a hit and have guys go down i think if ucf defensively can set a bit of a tone early in the football game that can definitely have have some assistance going forward into the the rest of the football game yeah definitely gang tackling is going to be at a premium this week because if you look at it desmond ritter is not a small guy six four about 220 this guy has deceptive speed also, if you look at the backs that they have, 
you know, Jared Dokes is a guy that weighs about 220 pounds and is coming down here last year. And then four, I, I believe, weighs about 210, 215. But he's a little shorter, stocky guy, but has a great speed. So tackling is going to be a premium this week. And we have to gang tackle. We have to swarm. It can't just be one-on-one tackling. We need two or three guys getting to the ball carrier at one time and getting the ball off of them. Offensively here, Dues, this this UCF offense that did not get as many snaps as they typically do against the Temple Owls. They didn't necessarily need to because of the way the defense played, putting them in position and then getting short porches there throughout the course of the football game. UCF scoring 38 points on the day. They weren't their 700 yards and and 6.567 scores that we maybe be accustomed to. But now here against probably the best defense that we will face thus far on the season. What will be essential for this UCF offense? Yes, Scott, we have to establish the run. If, if you look at it, the last two games versus Houston, Kyle Porter has some success averaging over four yards a carry and going over 90 yards. And then also last week versus ECU, when Ponder went out, their defensive end slash defensive tackle, we don't know if he's going to play this week. But when he went out, they had some real success running the ball. Their freshman running back went over 100 yards and was very effective in the running game. So UCF has to establish this run game to create that balance that they have on offense. Yeah, it's going to be imperative that Otis Anderson, Greg McRae, along with Bentavius Thompson, really help get UCF back to where they had that balance from the past couple weeks. You know, you didn't see as much of it this past week against Temple. So it will be key for those veteran backs for UCF to really make life easy for, for Dylan Gabriel. How about another key, Deuce? Another key is you have to stay ahead of the schedule, right? You can't be in third and long because this defense prides itself on getting off the field on third and long. Marcus Freeman does a great job in putting his players in position to make plays. Jarrell White, their linebacker slash sniper, they'll put him at the line of scrimmage. They'll put him in the middle of the field. If you saw last week versus East Carolina, he had him at the line of scrimmage like he was going to rush, and then he dropped off into a zone coverage and picked off Houghton Aylers and took it to the house for a touchdown. So we got to stay ahead of the sticks. We can't be in third and long. And then the last thing I would say, and it might sound simple, right? Is don't turn the ball over. If you look at Cincinnati's defense, they pride on, they pride themselves on getting interceptions. They have 12 interceptions this year and also another four fumble recoveries. This is a team just like UCF's defense that feasts off turnovers. We can't give the ball away. Dylan Gabriel and those backs and those receivers need to take care of this football. Yeah, it sounds simple, but it's something that they have to do on Saturday to be effective in this game and get a win. And I think I'll add to that, dudes. I think we need to match physicality here for Cincinnati. This is a, a, a physical, this is a, a, you know, not just a physical uh, football team in Cincinnati in a defense, but their, their actual players on the field <laughs> yeah. are physically imposing individuals. I think that offensive line, our tight ends, and even our, our wide receivers that do such a good job blocking down the field, I think if we can match that physicality early in this football game, we can throw a team that has not played out on the road this year, albeit only once, this won't be Nippert Stadium here inside of the bounce house. So I think that, too, can be a key this weekend for UCF against yeah. Cincinnati. Yeah, definitely. I think Coach Hypo has really you know, harped on that this week. You heard it in his press conference. He talked about how physical this team, the physicality of it. And I think that the, the UCF offense and defense has really heard that echo and are going to be hyped for this game. I kind of want to see what we saw from Houston a few weeks ago, running the ball effectively, demoralizing this team. If we can run the ball effectively, 
I don't care if we throw for 100 yards if we run for 400 yards because then you're controlling the clock, you're controlling the game, and you're demoralizing their strength, which is their defense. If we can run the ball effectively like ECU did in that second half versus them, and also Kyle Porter had some success two weeks ago when they played Houston, let's see with our three backs, can we run the ball effectively and turn out some of those runs that Otis Anderson had versus Houston, that Greg McCray had versus Houston, that, that Benzo had versus Houston. If we can put this game on our offensive line, and, and Hescock, who has done a great job blocking, doesn't get a lot of uh, recognition in, in those receivers that you talked about. Stretch Cradle, the times he's in the game, he's blocked really well. Jacob Harris, another great blocker. Marlon Williams, this, re- this receiving group prides themselves on blocking down the field for their teammates, and we're going to need a lot of that this Saturday. The Americans' number one offense going toe-to-toe with the Americans' number one defense should be a fun one, 3.30 on Saturday. All right, dudes, let's go ahead and wrap things up. It is time for Dues Speak. This is something that Dues has heard throughout his 20 years or so of playing high-level football at the college level, high school level, 10 years in the NFL He's heard from a lot of players and coaches who have said a lot of different things during during that time. So, Deuce, how about one this week for, for Cincinnati? Do speak. Yeah, this is simple, Scott. You know, there's a lot to go in with this game. There's a lot of, quote-unquote, pressure because UCF is usually always the hunted, and now we're, the hunt, we're trying to hunt, you know, Cincinnati this week, being the number seven team in the nation. And there could be a lot of buildup and pressure. You could almost outthink yourself this game. So, a coach once told us, you know, hang loose and let it and let it go on the field. You've prepared all week. You put in the preparation. And once you put in the preparation, you know you're going to have success on that field on Saturday or Sunday. So just have fun and let it loose. That would I, That's what I would say to the UCF team. Have fun and let it loose. Let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, because you know what? Cincinnati, they got a lot of pressure right now on those exactly. shoulders, not just – to stay undefeated, not just because they want to play in a conference title game, but also dues because of what them continuing to win could mean not just for the conference for a payday, but also for their school for a payday. We're talking about a a New Year's Six game, and and who's to say they're seventh in the country? And you know, could this be the year that a team sneaks in? to that that college football playoff. So the pressure right now is on the Bearcats, not on the Knights. Yeah, 100%. And we've been we've been in that position before, right? Scott, the last couple of years we've been in that position, so we know what they're going through and I think that also will build bode well for UCF being able to be that top dog that we've been in the American Conference and and uh one of the non-power 5 schools, and you know, we say the we're the power 6, but one of the not uh 5 5 uh none of the top power five schools to go in there and, and each week have that pressure. So UCF has been in that position. So I think they'll know how to attack Cincinnati because there's a lot of pressure when you're the quote-unquote little guy trying to play in the college football playoff. So just hang loose and have fun, man. And like I said, the chips will fall where they fall. UCF and Cincinnati. Man, it should be a fun one coming up on Saturday. 3.30 kick from the bounce house. That'll do it for this week's edition of Two Nights, One Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate you subscribing here, be it on Spotify, Apple iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. For 10-year NFL veteran and former UCF defensive end standout, that being Leger Doosable, I'm Scott Adams. Knights, Bearcats, Saturday. Watch it. Listen to it. Go to the game. Doos, go Knights. Charge on.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.